0: Welcome to Sermon Underwear, a podcast where we will look at the stories, situations, and conversations that lead up to the sermons that are preached here at First Lutheran. This is Pastor Brian. This is Pastor Perry. This is Father Tom. And speaking of Father Tom, we had a question that came in from one of our listeners uh, inquiring, how is it that Father Tom can be married? In in one of his recent sermons, he referenced briefly his wife, and that raised the question, how can a father be married? Uh, Father Tom, I thought we'd see what you might have to share with us on the subject. What a
1: delightful question. Yes, I'm uh, I'm a priest, which you're like, okay, that doesn't help me so far. Uh, I'm a priest in the Episcopal Church, um, which is is associated with the Church of England. And the Church of England, like the Lutheran Church, is a reformed church or a Protestant church. And um, put, we'll put a pin in that. I wanna go back to, I wanna go back about a thousand years to um, the desert. Um, there was a time when people got fed up with uh, the glitz and glamor of the city. And they said, it's hard to be a Christian in the city Um it's become popular now, you don't get killed for it. I want to go uh I need I need to go out in the desert. And so they went out in the desert and they didn't do a lot of talking and uh eventually the people who were out in the desert became renowned for being wise and for being good counselors, and they became known as amas and abbas or mothers and fathers. And so that's where you get the name father and mother, father Tom, or Mother Katie or whatever, that's where you get that title to begin with. Now, let's go back to England. Uh, We had this Reformation in England, but before that, like the Christians in Germany, uh, we were Catholic. And so in England, before the Reformation, priests were colloquially colloquially called Father So-and-So. And And then after the Reformation, they continued to be known as Father So-and-So. And that continued all the way to where I am as well. And so that is why I'm Father Tom. But in the Episcopal Church, thanks be to God, priests can be married and have children and do all sorts of fun stuff like that. Um, But yeah, so I'm married. I'm Protestant. I'm a priest. And people call me Father Tom. So there's a bunch of Venn diagrams. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Concentric circles there.
0: Well, uh, so if you're listening to that, if, if um, that generated other questions, you know, we can start a whole new podcast on the Reformation. Yes. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, thanks for, thanks for fielding that for us, Father Tom. You never know uh, what details that is it's going to capture someone's attention in these podcasts or a sermon. So uh, we always welcome your questions and we'll do our best to try and uh, meet them with some kind of answer. All right, so this week we are continuing. We're in week four of a five-week series on the book of Job, and here we are, chapter 31. We pick up a touch of Job uh, and his uh, last speaking before God speaks, and then finally we hear from chapter 38, uh, where God speaks back to Job. Job chapter 31. Oh, that I had one to hear me. Here is my signature, let the Almighty answer me. Oh, that I had the indictment written by my adversary. Surely I would carry it on my shoulder. I would bind it on me like a crown. I would give him an account of all my steps. Like a prince, I would approach him. Chapter 38, of the book of Job. The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? when the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed bounds for it and set set bars and doors and said, Thus far you shall come and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stopped. Jumping a bit ahead to verses 25 to 27. Who has cut a channel for the torrents of rain and a way for the thunderbolt to bring rain on a land where no one lives, on the desert, which is empty of human life, to satisfy the waste and desolate land and to make the ground put forth grass? Here
2: ends the reading. All right. And then from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 16 through 20. When evening came, Jesus' disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because of a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed out about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I. Do not
0: be afraid. Gospel of the Lord. You know, I'm so pleased that we have other means of meeting God than in a whirlwind. <laughs> I don't know if uh, any of you have been through a whirlwind or tornado situation or even a warning, but I just have to imagine Job would be Job would be terribly frightened. That's almost. I, I like the words that God starts off with. Uh, God answers out of the whirlwind, and he basically says, "Job, put on your seatbelt. I'm going to take you for a ride." Um, and we finally get to the part of, of Job that we have been hinting at for several weeks here because, well, frankly, it's really hard to um, sit in uh, grief and remorse for any length of time without beginning to look for hope. And so here we begin to get some in that God speaks to Job. Um, now we can we can open up a conversation as to whether or not what God says is, uh, brings comfort or not, but there's a shift here in the question that's being asked. So Job, and more so his friends up until this point, have been asking the question of why. Why did all this happen? Um, why would such a thing happen to a person like Job? And even Job is, is fed up here at the beginning of our reading for the day and saying, um, I will take my case before the judge and i'm ready to hear whatever it is that i've done wrong and if it actually gets put to me i'll wear it like a crown on my head um he he's ready to have some word spoken to him as to why it is that has happened to him and instead uh god gives a a long uh, there's a whole lot more than what you hear in this reading god gives a long dialogue not on why but where you will find god and how god works uh, god says you you're going to find my fingerprints all over everything. Uh, you'll, you'll find my fingerprints all over the place. And I especially like the the last little bit that we read where God says, I even make it rain on, on the desert places, uh, on the places where no one lives. And I bring grass and life there. And, that might be a a place where Job begins to hear some good news because that is essentially what's become of his life. It's a desert place where there is no life. There seems to be nothing to hope for. And yet God says, that's exactly the kind of place that I can send and I do send rain and bring about new life. So wondering about you guys, when you first hear this, um, does what God says bring hope? Is it shocking? Is it frightening? You know, um, how do you imagine Job's initial reaction to God speaking out of the whirlwind is, is, is? Would it be affirming for you to hear from God? Do you find what God says to Job helpful or hopeful?
2: I think really I would be freaked out, you know, about the way that, that God comes to it. You know, Job has been having these conversations with his friends and they've been talking about God and you know, what's up with God. And, you know, and then right there in that first part, it's like, yeah, come on, God, give it to me. I'll take it. I'll take it like a man. And, and basically God's first, uh, first thing to say to Job is, you know, get ready, you know, pull on your, pull on your big boy pants. Cause, cause we're going for a ride. And, uh, um, I'm going to tell you what it's, what it's about and what it's like, and you've got it all messed up. So I, I think it would be a bit fearful. It would be like, Oh man, what did I, what hornet's nest did I stir up? What did I, um, I, I think I said the wrong thing. Now, how am I going to get out of this?
1: Yeah, I totally agree with Perry. I, I'm so glad that Joe had this happened to him and I just get a benefit from the experience. Um, I, but that being said i do find this um comforting um i think uh you know the sometimes i think there, i think the expression i'm looking for is this is above my pay grade uh i think i think what job is discovering is that answers to his questions are above his pay grade or the 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 story that comes to mind, uh, my sister, my sister, my wife is from there. You go, we'll tie it in. My wife is from Iowa City, uh, and so <laughs> she she from a very young age uh, learned about civil disobedience. I remember one time she didn't like the the labor negotiation that she and her mom had made about chores around the house, and so she made she protested. She made a little sign and she picketed and. She made a protest, and I just think a little bit about. Um, I think I think it's similar, except on an even bigger, at, with a bigger disparity between understanding. Um, you know, Job's like this. You know, we should be able to get three cookies per uh, per time dusting, not two. You know, it's Job does. I don't think Job. You know what? What we're seeing here is job is upset and he has he has i think he has every right to be upset but he's also he doesn't know what he's talking about as well You <laughs> know, he doesn't he wants he wants to understand why all of this is happening and it's like if i if you were to get a if you were to get a tenth of the knowledge you needed to understand why all this was happening your brain would explode little buddy um and so i i so i am comforted where it's just like you know what, I am so glad that God's going to handle this. I know that sometimes I'm not going to like the, the the things that happen, but uh, you know what, I know that God is good and God's going to take care of it and I'm not going to get all the answers I want, but what would be even worse is to get the world I want because <laughs> I, if if the world was the way I wanted it, it'd be way more messed up than it is now.
0: That's a good way to think of it or get into it or getting what you want. Um, Cause Job is heading into this part that we're reading today saying, look, I'm, I am ready to, I have signed, says something to the effect, I'm signing my name on this, that I am ready for whatever indictment you have to throw at me because I'm pretty confident I can stand on my own. You know, that there is nothing that you could possibly bring up against me. So let's go. And God says, okay, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> and, um, And he takes Job on this, this tour of creation, which we've kind of talked about the last few weeks of the pain and the suffering that Job has gone through has gotten him focused in on himself and his whole world is himself. And so God says, all right, uh, let's, let's go back to the beginning of creation and we'll look at the whole span of things. And I'll show you how I've been at work in this, uh, and how I am at work in this. And I was saying earlier, there's a shift from, The question of why to where will you find God? And I I think both you guys are spot on to say, I mean, I would be terrified, too. I'm terrified in a tornado whether God's speaking out of it or not. So um, to be in a tornado and to have uh, God speaking to you in the middle of that happening would be terrifying. And uh, it gives really good insight into what's going on in the gospel lesson there. And in other passages in all the Gospels, where the disciples are terrified that Jesus is walking on water, or that he speaks and he can calm the the wind and the storm, and so forth, because because of Job in part, but because of the long history of of uh, their tradition and the relationship with God, it's kind of like, oh, we're dealing with that, you know, we're dealing with with what Job dealt with here, and now we're about to be told sit down and listen up and um this is where this is where uh, now now we have waited in my opinion long enough for a word from jesus and this is where when we move from the why to the where um god says yes my my fingerprints are all over creation um but now you're going to get me specifically in jesus christ and he is he's going to have um a different kind of word for you than sit down and watch me take you for a ride. I mean, yes, yes, the wonder. There's wonder in this, and that's, that's a very neat part of Job. Um, and perhaps that's a question we, we can tack on to the end of this podcast is, where do you see God in nature? Um, because there's certainly a great deal of wonder in that. Um, but then we get a specific message in Christ so i'm I'm kind of uh headed n- a number of different ways here, so anything you guys want to interject or you want to let me keep on uh, spinning spinning out here <laughs> hey i
1: like I like to contribute some tangents too here um, one, <laughs> one of the thank you <laughs> one of the metaphors um or i don't know someone told me this, and if I were a better scholar I'd know who um but they said that chaos is the raw material of God's creation. And I really like that idea. Um, You know, we don't have any control over chaos, but you know, God can use chaos. You know, that's, that's what, you know, we say was in the beginning, right? It hovers over, hovers over the water and water was associated with chaos and, and, and so that's what I see, you know, God is the master of all these things that we don't understand. God uses, God can use chaos to make creation. Um, and so that's one of the things I see here too is, uh, you know, the creator God at work here. And that's what I see in the gospel too. You know, it's an illusion. I think I, one of the, um, if we were all first century Jews, we would have better ears to hear it, but um to, all four gospels have this walking on water part and that and that for us should take us back to Genesis where we remember oh yeah God uh you know was able to um, order chaos he was able to order the water just as um, and just as he did in Genesis so he does um, in the gospels
0: your comment. Uh, I don't know who originally said it. I i would guess Augustine or someone, but a modern theologian, Nadia Boltz Weber, popularized that saying once upon a time by saying nothing or chaos, as you said, nothing is God's favorite plaything. God loves to make something out of nothing. Um, and so, and, and we are getting a bit of, that's God casting that in all different uh, settings and all of it kind of showing that in his creation here in his conversation with job of saying look um i can make where there is nothing i i bring out of uh, places things uh, from places you didn't even know existed i can create out of nothing or again that last little bit we got in the text i can bring grass in the middle of the desert if i want to um which is all ties back to that creation genesis story in theology but really uh, ties in I think in some sense, that's sort of like telling Job the same thing over and over and over through all different kinds of uh, analogies or stories, you know. And we know people love to tell about, oh, I love to be out in nature and I just, I see and I experience God when I'm out in creation. And that's kind of what God is doing is taking a, a story here and saying, look at all these different instances, Job, of how I created out of nothing Do you suppose I could do that with you, Joe? Do you suppose when your life has come to nothing that I might be able to do that with yours too? What's a place in nature or a situation or something you observe in nature that makes you say, oh, that's... That's God's handiwork right there. That's God's fingerprints that that just is a sign to me that God's present and working in this world.
2: What happened the last time you ran into a Leviathan?
0: And explain to me what that is.
2: (laughs) Well, technically you would look at the Leviathan as a creature from the chaos. And so it is chaos uh, engaging your life. And uh, the certainly the easy answer is COVID-19. Um, but when was your life impacted by the monster chaos? Did, and where did you find God in that?
0: That helps because I like all this, uh, you know, nerdy science fiction stuff. So all these images immediately come to mind with Leviathan. but. I, I'm with you. Okay. And actually,
2: you know, I I, I really did want to at some point go go look for the Loch Ness monster because <laughs> I read a lot about that, you know, and that was that was exciting.
1: <laughs> if we don't find if we don't find if we don't find Nessie, we'll find a good bottle of scotch. And that's almost go? as good.
2: Right. And maybe once you get the good bottle of scotch, <laughs> find a monster. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um yikes is <laughs> uh, this is, a, this is heading total, into a whole different podcast now <laughs> yeah
2: there's a total total rabbit trail side side conversation um but there was this book that i read when i was a kid and it talked about the uh, scotch scotch talked about scotch yeah <laughs> talked about the uh, the pyramids the great pyramid in egypt and and when they analyzed that and what point what brought this to my attention earlier was god saying who laid out the measurements who set the cornerstone who who knows what's going on and if you look at the the uh, um, pyramid Ironically, it was situated on an underground mountain. So it's one of the largest land masses of rock underneath there that is in the whole world. The curvature of the pyramid, even though you can't really see it with the naked eye, originally it was curved at the same degree that the planet is. So the curvature of the the pyramid is the same as that. And then you go and you look at all of these other calculations and it's just unbelievable. Um, you, and I don't remember all of them, but it was just like, wow, that just blows my mind. It's like, that's got to be God. How did God do that? How did God, you know, allow this pyramid to be built that has all of these things built into it that tell us about our world?
1: My question would be, you know, we talked a little bit about Job is asking questions above his pay grade, and he kind of wants to be—he uh, wants to sit in on these executive meetings on creation. But really, we know that Job, like the Leviathan, is just a creature of God's. And so, I, my question would be: Is when was the last time you you felt like a creature of God? When was the last time you just felt like a creature that you that you were able to, you know, see similar to what? Pastor Brian said, "But you're able to kind of be in nature, and you're like, ah, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a creature."